0: Hello and welcome to Cinema of Meaning, the podcast from myself, Thomas Flight, and my fellow video essayist Tom Vanderlinden from the channel Like Stories of Old. This week we're going to be talking about Darren Aronofsky's The Whale. Before we do, I want to mention Nebula. This is a Nebula original podcast, which means you can listen to episodes without any ads or sponsorships and an entire week early when you listen on Nebula. Nebula is our creator-owned streaming service, and there's also a bunch of other great content on there, including our YouTube videos and exclusive bonus content from us and other great creators. You can find out how to sign up using our link below, and when you use our link, nebula.tv cinema of meaning, that supports this podcast. So let's jump into the whale. This is the latest from Darren Aronofsky, who is always always going to bring something interesting to the table even if I don't necessarily find it to be let's say that enjoyable of an experience. This is a movie I think I had very mixed feelings about but as the movie sort of suggests the most interesting book report is one that it just honestly states how you feel about the book and so that's how i'm going to try to approach this podcast just saying as Mm. honestly as i can the feelings that this movie evoked in me which were were many and of different types we'll get to those you know i'm sure there's a lot to discuss here but where can we start with this tom how do you how do you how did you feel watching the whale
1: i think like you i had conflicted feelings about it i think i went in with different expectations also obviously a lot of this movie hinged on brandon fraser's performance which was applauded yes. and which i think also was for me the best part of this film i think uh, or th- or at least the element that i connected to the most and which to me felt the most natural in a way i'll i think yeah. i'll get back to that point later but i don't know i went in a knowing there were a lot of people who had already seen it and they were giving all these very emotional responses. They were saying, oh, this is going to make you cry. This is going to this is gonna be a completely devastating experience. And so I kind of settled in knowing, okay, I'm ready. Like, hit me with it. And then right. it kind of left me more cold than I was hoping for. Like, I was ready for that emotional journey. And it, it felt a bit more artificial or more stagey than i was anticipating and uh it, it's obviously based on a stage play but i i also felt like there were parts of it that felt just you can feel the artificiality of it and right uh it had me thinking of uh i think it was a 2021 movie the the humans which I th- you had also seen right? yes yeah um I was kind of thinking of that movie and how that movie also based itself on a stage play, but at the same time, it also used the qualities of cinema to kind of elevate it into yeah. something that could not be done on the stage. And The Will also does a few of those things, but I think overall, I felt like that was kind of what I was missing here. Like it, I felt like it was stuck between. A more naturalistic approach, which I felt especially in Brandon's performance as well as um, Hong Chao, who played Liz, his nurse and friend. I think they both presented us with very relatable characters, a very naturalistic acting style. And that, to me, conflicted with some of the other characters, uh, mainly the daughter, Ellie. And Thomas, I think his name was... Uh, the religious missionary person yeah. who kind of comes into the story and finds a way to stay there even though it doesn't really feel all that he doesn't really feel like he has a reason to um yeah. at least to me uh and i, I felt like those performances were for, far more like made for the stage like they were more theatrical more artificial right. I, i've been using that word already too much but there was a conflict there that kind of prevented me from fully immersing myself into this movie as much as, as I would have hoped. Um, but still, I do think it had some interesting stuff to say about not just obesity or, or obesity and the people who struggle with it, but also more of the uh, emotional driving forces behind it, uh, which I thought was very enlightening. I watched the movie twice, actually. The second time, I specifically wanted to watch it with uh, my fiance, who is a dietitian, so she had like a good eye to spot like all those little details about what this movie says about the relation to food that people can have, and yeah. uh, how that's often depicted, and how this movie does that kind of differently in a good in a good way. In that sense, she found it a good movie in the sense that it does portray something that's often ignored or dismissed or misunderstood about how certain people develop a toxic relation to food and how that leads to extreme cases such as uh, not just the overweight that Charlie has, but there's also hinted that uh, his former boyfriend who passed away uh, was suffering from a uh, also from a food or an eating disorder, but that kind of went in the other direction, like someone who stopped eating and was at least hinted that he might have been suffering from anorexia or something in that category of uh, eating disorders. And so in that category for me, there was a lot of stuff that I found enlightening. Yes,
0: pretty much I agree with everything you just said. The, the parts of it that resonated with me most were those more naturalistic performances from Liz or from Brendan Fraser and uh, Hong Chao. Also the way it was dealing with directly what the immediate elements of the story of what's going on with brendan his relationship with liz his relationship with food all of that i felt was conveyed very well to me i'm curious to dig a little bit into what you mean Mm -hmm. by the staginess because i've heard a bunch of other people say this and i think there's a tiny bit of like visually a stagy quality to it Mm -hmm. um but that overall i think didn't bother me i think the way Aronofsky moved through the apartment and shot the apartment and shot the scenes was mostly fine for me. It it worked, it worked fine. I don't really have complaints there. To me, the, the like artificiality of, of stageness that I felt was much more in the writing where it felt Mm -hmm. like there was this, you know, when you write a play, you have all these characters in a confined space, and then you use these sort of like devices, not literary devices, I guess, but like stage devices, whatever you would call them, theatrical devices, I guess that would be the word, to like bring other pieces of a larger story and a larger narrative into this confined space. And so it's like, oh, you want to talk about uh, religion. And so you write this character who kind of keeps showing up at this location in sort of a contrived way so Mm. that you can bring those themes to the forefront. That's something that works really well for theater because we all kind of suspend our disbelief and understand that like okay well you can't just like zoom to every location and show a story that unfolds across a vast span of time in the theater very easily so it makes sense to use these devices to like condense the story down to a tighter format and you can sort of suspend your disbelief to accept that but in a film the beauty of Cinema is that it can do all those things It you can tell the whole story you can go anywhere you want you don't have to stay in one little room and bring all the other elements of the story in via exposition and so when you do that in a movie like this it ends up feeling a little bit like something is left on the table, but that doesn't mean that a movie confined to a single location or a single space is also not like. A valid thing to explore in cinema, you can, you can do that very effectively, but the method for approaching that kind of story in cinema as effectively as possible is going to be different than the one you would use for Mm -hmm. a stage play. And so like, I felt that disconnect and, but that was the main place in which I felt it. So I was curious if you felt similarly or visually it also, it also was bothersome to you.
1: I think I felt largely the same. The single location didn't, isn't what made it feel stagey to me. Like I didn't yes. even notice it until like an hour into the movie that w- was, that it was just the apartment that it was taking place in. Especially because he, he did film it kind of naturalistically, kind of in a way that doesn't draw attention to itself. But yeah. yeah, for me, it's more the things that you mentioned, the ways that there were some little bits of exposition that, you know, the, the kind of eye-rolly roll, things where a character goes like, Oh, you're my dad. You walked out of my life when you when I was eight. Remember, like you know, it's the kind of conversation, right, yeah. the, the the exposition hidden in conversation, but hidden in a way that the text becomes something that no person would say to another person in that situation. Yeah, uh, that's like little bits and pieces that you can. I guess that works on a theater where you cannot have a moment where a character walks past a photograph and zooms in on it, uh, like you can do on. Uh, in, in cinema to communicate like details visually instead of because in the stage there's only the one angle that you can the person is sitting in the seat and that's the one angle they have on the the stage generally yeah I had that a couple of times where I felt like there was stuff in the dialogue that could have been communicated in more cinematic ways also again mentioning the humans there's that movie does some interesting things that's also taking place in one.
0: Apartment, yeah. yeah. Uh,
1: so that's not what bothered me, but uh, I liked the way that movie did, especially towards the end. It kind of went into the subconscious of some of the characters. It made it. It kind of found a way to elevate that theatricality into a something that I see as purely cinematic in a way that could not be done on the stage. Yeah. And maybe with some lighting effects or something, but not in that exact way. I guess that there's some of that there at the very end where there's this sudden heightened moment of realism or, you know, a kind of subjective, metaphorical ascension. I'm not sure how to describe that very
0: last moment, but uh, we'll get back to that later, I, I think. Things to me in this movie felt much more like symbolic versus... I think the humans, the way it's using its location, I would describe way more as expressionistic. Like Mm. the location seems to be this externalization of what the characters are experiencing, where in this movie, there's literally a key and then like a locked room that you go into. And that's where kind of the secret past is that's revealed. So I think some of that is, you know, going to be taste or preference or, or sensibility, but yeah, it it definitely is. It feels like it's kind of operating in a in a different mode. Yeah. All that to say, I you know we're I think being kind of critical here. I want to say at least for myself, I didn't not enjoy this movie. I think I feel the need to kind of put all this <laughs> stuff up front because I didn't have the sort of intense emotional response to this movie that I think it sounds like a decent amount of people have. Reading reviews online, it looked like there was a lot of people who were either like this is a four or five star, or they kind of hated it. I didn't really feel like I fell on either extreme, but I definitely didn't have this sort of like intense response to it that some people have. These kind of mm-hmm. critiques or things that I'm mentioning are less of like, this is why this is a bad movie and more because I don't think it is. It's more of a uh, an attempt to explore why it didn't quite connect with me personally in the way that I think it did with some other people.
1: Yeah, exactly. I had the same. For me, that's the the kind of because that's the staginess that's it's kind of a nitpick, but like it didn't diminish the thematic content of the movie for me so much as but it did kind of prevent my emotional investment uh, in a way that I hoped it wouldn't have. Um, And my last point on that note is that I think by far the worst scene for me is the one where Thomas comes in and Ellie is kind of torturing him with all these weird demands and threats that she makes. And and then they kind of, that to me is the most artificial bit where they run into, or Thomas runs into the, the forbidden room and then he goes on his like sad monologue and he leans against the door and Ellie leans against the door on the other side. And that to me, nothing about that felt like the behavior of two human beings who in that situation and... Um, I think Elif also, she was just so weird in a way that, you know, I, I, I get what she was supposed to represent, but at the same time, even in that context, I felt, I, I just had so much trouble to empathize with her deal, basically, like what, what was her intent at any given moment. I felt like that was
0: so weird vaguely communicated. And I'm not sure if that was supposed to be the case or. Yeah. Some of that I think is going to lead us into discussing kind of the themes, what this movie is saying, all of that, which I I want to get into. But one Mm. of the things I felt with her character is kind of by the time we get to the reveal of, oh, she's collecting all this information about Thomas. And then she like puts that out onto the internet. And then that kind of frees him in a sense seems to be the implication and he his who he is secretly is sort of revealed openly he decides to go back to his family and uh charlie realizes that all of this has happened and he and this is one of the reasons he is like oh my daughter is so great she's a great person mm-hmm. she's telling the truth and that and that is kind of this ultimately transcendent thing. It seems like in his view, I want to get into that. I want to ask you about that specifically. But as that's all kind of happening, by the time we got to that point, I was like, okay, her character feels more like she's being motivated by kind of thematically where the story needs to go than motivations that I can actually understand on a human level. Her her character felt like she was doing certain things because the story needed to hit certain symbolic thematic beats or whatever to kind of put together the argument that it it was trying to make. And so I felt that most heavily with her character, a little bit with Thomas. And then I think the other characters felt a little bit more like they had grounded real world human motivations that I could kind of uh, relate to in some way Mm -hmm. uh, a little bit
1: should we just go start like with the basic premise of the story and then see like where each character begins and where they end up and how well it all gels together yes yeah because basically the premise or like the opening scene we see charlie this severely overweight man having a heart attack basically and that's Kind of the jumping off point for the rest of the story where he comes to realize oh i probably don't have much time anymore like he has a blood pressure that's raising all kinds of red flags and basically has to have him call 911 immediately which he doesn't want to do because he doesn't have health in- health insurance and as we learn a bit later he does have some money saved up but he wants to keep that uh set aside for ellie uh, to yeah. make sure she's set for a little bit after Charlie is gone. We have then Liz is introduced to us. I think this... Oh no, we first have Thomas. He kind of stumbles in at that opening scene. He is this.
0: Well, what's the name of his church again? The. It's not a specific... There's a bunch of churches in America named New Life. And mm. that's not actually a specific like sect of Christianity. So I think it was just a stand-in kind of generically for... Mm. You know, I I don't know some some yeah. more conservative evangelical church, kind of the end times type. Yeah, uh, yeah. Uh,
1: anyways, he comes in, he helps Charlie out in me, initially. Then we have uh, pretty soon after we're introduced to Liz, who is Charlie's nurse and her friend. Basically, as we and as we come to learn later, he she is also the sister of Adam. I think his name was the. Ex-boyfriend of Charlie who passed away. Or was it Alan? Or Alan? That sounds correct, yeah. Yeah, Alan. Um, So they obviously have a very strong relation to each other. Um, And then the heart attack is also what motivates Charlie to reach out and reconnect with his daughter, which she is very hesitant to. But, you know, like Thomas, she keeps showing up to keep this story afloat, I guess. That's the kind of the theatricality of it, again. Right. (laughs) And that kind of sparks, like, some thematic discussions. There's a religious discussion, which I personally was completely, like, uninterested in, like, that there's a discussion on religion that's on the one side driven by this very extremely, like, or at least presented as someone who's just completely brainwashed into the very specific set of ideals of this very specific subset of a religious organization, that to me always, it never feels like a true discussion of what it means to be religious or what it means to have faith and what the real implications of that are. Like, you know, this is not Ingmar Bergman doing the Seventh Seal or (laughs) Scorsese doing Silence. You know, these real deep and uh, very confrontational explorations of like the nature of faith and these kinds of discussions feel more like oh we create this trauma so that we can have the other characters sort of own them with facts and logic and it it might be because that's not you know that kind of religion isn't really in my culture anymore so it feels caricatured almost in like by definition for me but i can imagine they are still out there somewhere but you know, the point of it is, I I don't feel like this movie is really commenting on religion or faith or God or the kind of divine morality that would flow from that in a really significant way. I'm not sure if you felt differently about it, but.
0: No, I think I, I felt similarly and I was thinking about why that is. And because there is a sense in which those kinds of conversations do exist and are real, uh, especially in certain in certain parts of America. And what's depicted in the show here is very, is, is a very kind of rote, like the missionary guy is very just like, you know, he doesn't have good arguments for why he believes things. He's just like, well, it's the truth, you know, and you, you should just, Mm -hmm. you know, he, he has these very, he has this, this very base level, like weak ability to sort of argue for his beliefs. And there are people like that. There are people who are just like, you Mm -hmm. know, I just accept what I was taught. I don't have a deep understanding of that. They can't make an argument for it. And so they just will tell you what they think is the truth and expect you to be interested in that because they're like, you know, I believe it's the truth. So here it is. So that's a real thing. It does exist. And then there are also people who are just like, well, that's bad and I won't have anything to do with that because I've been hurt by it in these ways, which is also a real position. And there's real people who feel like that. And that's the level at which this discussion is happening. So it's kind of a depiction of a real thing. But that to me is, I guess for me, not that interesting because I feel like I've seen it before. Hmm. And it's like watching people have a a bad <laughs> argument about something is not that, you know, I, I don't know. I'm just like there There was nothing in those arguments that I hadn't heard. Yeah, like, yeah. I feel like, 10 times in, like, another movie or Reddit post or in real life or on Twitter or something.
1: I feel like that's the main downside is that people like that who are very rigid and very limited about the beliefs that they have, they always draw the other person into their, like, little circle. Like, the discussion then always happens on their terms. So you're always left one, like, having these discussions where, oh, but... If God is so good, then why do children die of cancer or whatever? And it's it, it, it's very surface-level stuff that doesn't really, for me at least, dive into any real interesting depths or something that we haven't heard before in the way that um, other movies have done better for me.
0: Yeah. I found... I found much more interesting, you know, because a lot of the religious discussion kind of happens between Liz and Thomas, and Mm -hmm. I found a lot more interesting the way Charlie seemed to interact with that discussion, which was he kind of just sidestepped it entirely. He was like, oh, I've read the Bible. I have this. But he seemed to be just kind of almost beyond grappling with it. And I found that to be a more interesting depiction than maybe anything else that was going on in regards to religion. You know, and, mm-hmm. and I think it's worth noting here that the, the religious theme and discussion is a core part of this because the insinuation is that Alan was heavily involved with this church. That this is part of the staginess of it. The missionary is from this church, who Liz is the adopted daughter of the, the pastor or leader. And then Alan was Liz's brother. And so, but he was gay and was kicked out of the church. And that's kind of the source of of all this trauma the implication is kind of that that's the source of this trauma that leads to alan killing himself which is kind of the what led to or or maybe not killing himself but he died well i guess it is there but he had an eating disorder he ends up dying in some way that isn't explicitly explained
1: i think it was pretty clear that it was suicide yeah it's suicide okay yeah
0: And then I think I'm confused about that because the revelation that he had an eating disorder came after Mm. Liz tells Thomas Uh, about his suicide. Oh, yeah. Anyway, the implication is there that kind of like that's a very core source of this trauma. That's an interesting theme to discuss and explore uh, and and a very relevant one to a lot of people. But I didn't feel like this... Movie delved very deeply into what that actually looks like for people, or why that happens, beyond just kind of saying like this is what happened and and just kind of pointing fingers to the fact that it exists. Mm-hmm. That was kind of yeah how exactly. I felt yeah. it was dealing with that layer of things.
1: Yeah, same. It doesn't. It also doesn't feel like there's a strong resolution there. There's that scene where. Thomas uh, takes that kind of a sudden turn where he basically tells Charlie to his face that the love that he had with his partner was sinful and probably what led him to his death, which obviously mm-hmm. Charlie doesn't take well. And that's when he kind of lashes out, rightfully so. I can imagine like these, he's kind of, he, he wants to make it clear to him that the love that they had together was as real as the love between any other person but it doesn't feel like that changes much in thomas except for that he maybe he does express like that that bit of honesty at the end where he does scream out like oh yeah you're disgusting as kind of right charlie may have been suspecting that thomas was harboring these feelings but was not expressing them and that's i guess that's charlie's main struggle throughout the movie that he wants that he wants that authenticity or he wants that honest experiences that he once had with Alan who saw him for who he was and who had like, they shared like a real love together and then it's especially because also because of his obesity, like people looked at him differently. Now he no longer had those experiences. We, you know, we, okay. we haven't even said this but we actually, we are introduced to him by uh, seeing this like Zoom page or something like we see this screen where Charlie is lecturing all these students. He's like this online professor. Um, but we see all the webcams of all the students, but the one of Charlie is blacked out. He doesn't have his webcam on. And so he's also kind of hiding from the world until at the very end, he yeah. also finally is able to step into that more honest way of being again. But but yeah, I, I felt like he, that was his kind of main struggle after uh, Alan passed. He gained... Uh, that had an effect on I mean, him. That's why he gained so much weight. Which is also an interesting aspect of a lot of eating disorders that they vary. That they can be very much like trauma induced. They are not necessarily, like, oh, I'm, I love food so much. I'm just going to eat more of it. It's all. Uh, it tends to be a very emotional aspect that some people don't even realize they're doing until they kind of reach this point where it's too late or where it, is bound to get out of control, and the movie does depict that very interestingly where he does actually show Charlie showing restraint when it comes to food on a number of occasions like there's Quite early on, there's a scene where he grabs this candy bar he like, uh, takes the wrapper off and then looks at it and kind of puts it away. And then there's something upsetting that happens to him. And then he, you know, he he grabs it anyways and like two more after it. And there's a couple of scenes later on where he has similar reactions. Like whenever there's something upsetting that happens, he instinctively yeah. reaches for food. And there's also like, this is all my fiance talking, but <laughs> there's that great <laughs> binge that he goes towards the end where he stu- like starts stuffing himself with pizza. Um, That's the moment I think that happened after he kind of builds this weird relation with the pizza delivery guy, which seems like kind of cute at first where right. they have this... Sort of rapport going like oh i put the money there and he puts the pizzas on the the box and so or on the what is it like the bench and so they don't have to to, because charlie doesn't want to be be seen ordering like double pizzas like you know there's obviously a stigma attached to the big guy ordering a ton of fast food and so i can imagine him being like shameful or feeling shameful about it but the pizza guy he does seem to kind of reach out he's like hey my name's Dan. And he's like, are you okay in there? And he seems really nice up up until the moment that Charlie does finally come out and the pizza guy is still standing there and he kind of looks and like scoffs at him like, ugh. And I think, if I remember correctly, that's the moment where he really goes on like, there's other stuff that's happened before, but that's like the final final drop. And that's when he starts stuffing himself until uh, he vomits and that's like, that's like a true emotional binge. Like that's, yeah. where you're not even like aware probably that you're eating the food anymore it's just stuffing 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 until the system breaks internally that uh, you start vomiting and yeah. everything and that's that apparently was a very good depiction of what that kind of because it's essentially an emotional breakdown that that you're witnessing but it's uh because of that distorted relation with food it's kind of it kind of takes that different form and uh, for a lot of people with eating disorders, that's kind of what happens. It's not, it has no longer anything to do with, I like this food or or not even that they feel good after eating it. It becomes like this compulsive yeah. aspect of their, uh, of the way they process emotions in a way that they sometimes not, are not even aware of. And that's, uh, that's something that I think the movie did depict really well
0: and uh, was right. really honest about as well that's something that I think a lot of people who have disdain or not very much empathy for people with eating disorders, they like, they don't understand that component of it. They Mm, think this person's brain works in regards to food in the same way mine does. And so, and so it is, you know, there's a, there's a, there's a blame that gets placed on people with these kinds of disorders, because a lot of people look at that and they think, well, you know, just, I, I know I can just stop eating. So like, you should just be able to do that too. And so understanding the, what you just described is very necessary and helpful, I think, to towards having, you know, a deeper understanding and more empathy towards these conditions. Mm -hmm. And it's, I've, I've never seen, you know, I've been aware of these kinds of things. I've read about them, heard about them, absorbed discussions of them, I guess, just ambiently through culture or other forms of media. But I don't think I've ever seen it depicted in this way. And I think it really, you know, again, I'm I can only speak from my experience and people who have their own experiences with eating disorders might feel differently. I read some really interesting letterboxed reviews about this movie from people who there was actually one i might see if i can find the link to it and put it in the put it in the description but mm-hmm. i won't restate the whole thing but it was just somebody relating their kind of their own experience with eating disorders and having lost somebody and the relationship between those two things and i i read it like immediately after watching the movie and i was like <laughs> the, their review made me more emotional than mm, the yeah. um, the movie had the point i'm getting to is Obviously, I'm not speaking from personal experience, but it felt to me like watching this, this movie did a good job of towing that line between kind of depicting these things with a sort of uh, honesty of at least a certain kind of that reality and how it's it's based in trauma and how it can become this kind of emotional... everything that you just described without without also like teetering too much into the realm of just kind of like creating a spectacle out of it, where the audience is supposed to be reveling in kind of the horror of it in a way that I don't know, like, I felt I I don't know. I mean, and some people might feel differently. Maybe some people would feel like this is just sort of this. This movie teeters into the realm of spectacle. But like, it didn't, it didn't feel that way to me. Like, it didn't feel like it was, didn't feel like the movie was ever mean towards Charlie or like, like the position of the story felt empathetic towards Charlie and his situation and his condition, which is something that, that I appreciated.
1: Yeah, definitely. I, I do think Darren Aronofsky has this tendency to make his stories feel very heavy handed and very weighty or like somber like he, there, there's no levity to his movies even though there's like there can be like bits of humor in it but still i feel like right. his o- the overall experience
0: of his films are very i'm not sure how to describe it i guess somber or but also almost like operatic in a sense There like there's like um an intensity to the way mm, things yeah. are portrayed because the su- the soundtrack
1: here is also pretty oppressive sometimes for yes, a movie yeah, yeah. of this scale or this uh yeah. you know for such a restrained uh movie in terms of location and story the soundtrack is still very heavy one other thing i also wanted to mention uh that about the the kind of struggle that charlie goes through is that it also very much affects the relations with the people around him obviously you know we right. talked about how it was kind of his issue stemmed Or were born from a trauma from a broken relation but they also affect like present relations and that to me was also a very interesting aspect especially with liz who is kind of his caretaker and there's this uh this interesting moment quite early on where i think they're kind of hanging out towards the end of the scene i think it's after charlie uh right after the the opening scene even maybe where they're kind of on the couch watching tv and then Charlie looks over to Liz and he kind of nods suggestively. And that's when Liz goes and she grabs like the bucket of the the Kentucky fried chicken or whatever it was. And so that's what I asked uh, Marion about it. Like, to what extent do you think like she's, is she enabling him or what's her position in this relationship now? Because that's also something that she has to now contend with as a bystander. Like, where does she draw the line for herself? Like, how do I position myself? into this other person's who, who I care for, but this other person's kind of self-destructive behavior. And she said, like, she's a nurse. At this point, she knows Charlie is probably gonna die in a few days. There's no, like, he can go, he can switch to all salads now, but that won't make a difference. There's a point in a person's life where, you know, people just are mostly concerned with just making them comf- comfortable, or at least emotionally comfortable right. until the inevitable happens. Um but I, I did think that was an, init, an interesting struggle that I think a lot of people can relate to with a variety of issues. Like how do you, because obviously when you care for someone, you want the best for them. But if, if what's best for them is also what makes them unhappy or what causes them distress, then there's a tension there in how you, what it means to help another person. Yeah. And and that also, I think, kind of connects to some other thematic issues here also with the way ellie ends up accidentally helping thomas and the way charlie actually ends up hurting uh ellie and her mother or her ex uh, his ex-partner to some extent and the way there's the kind of this dissonance between intent and outcome like charlie from the beginning he he kind of wants to stay to him stay to himself he wants to save that money and that's The way he believes he is doing good because he, you know, he says on some uh, more than one occasion, like who wants someone like me in their lives? Um, And so he thinks he wants to do the good thing by kind of staying away and just sending the money, making sure they have a good life financially, that is. But at the same time, he's also kind of blind to the distress his absence is having on his daughter, like even if it's unconsciously so. Um, you know, because she's obviously struggling with her or, or with him having walked out on her when she was eight. Yeah, yeah. And kind of there's an inverse thing happening there where Elias, you know, she's kind of depicted as this evil character. Her mom literally claims she's evil, and she does seem to be messing around with people, kind of trying to ruin their lives in these little ways, boasting like. Photos on Facebook or like unflattering photos and uh, insulting comments and kind of outing Thomas, who, who reveals that he's stolen from his church back home. And so we he, now he's basically on the run and she records it and uh, sends that back to him. Probably not with the intent, as Charlie thinks, to help him, but maybe just to cause chaos or something. <laughs> To me, at least, right. it felt like she was just doing it out of entertainment, but it does end up having this very beautiful outcome for Thomas, who's now who can now return home and be reunited with his family again. Yeah. And so that, to me, I was curious what you thought of that, like, what's, how did you feel about this whole dynamic between wanting to do good and having that sometimes play out in different ways or n- not having full control over how the
0: outcomes play out? Yeah, that's interesting. I hadn't I hadn't thought about that theme as I was watching it. I think first I will talk about Liz because I found her mm-hmm. character very, I think, to be one of the most interesting because there is this dynamic you talked already about kind of, you know, wondering if she is enabling him. And I thought that as well. And then there's some other behavior. There's one point where she's handing him a sandwich and then she kind of is withholding and she's kind of using the food as, to get what she wants out of him. Um, and then there's another moment where Charlie wants Thomas around or doesn't mind having him around, but Liz is kind of trying to cut off his access and sort of controlling who is around, uh, who is around Charlie. And there was this element of, I think Liz has good intentions she's trying to help charlie but she also has fallen into a little bit what of what seems like this there's a talk a little bit of a toxicity to that relationship you know i don't know if i would go so far as to call it abusive or whatever but she's Mm -hmm. she's doing things that she thinks she's maybe doing the best thing for charlie but she's doing these things that at least from my perspective seem a little bit toxic like taking away his agency as a person and trying to manipulate him or his behavior. And I really appreciated, at least for me, sort of the revelation uh, of understanding once you, once the reveal happens of you realize Alan had an eating disorder in the other direction. I don't know how ground, you know, maybe that explanation of their response to that is a little overly poetic i don't know if that kind of thing would happen in real life but i appreciated the sort of revelation that both of these people together in this relationship are traumatized by that experience Hmm. so the way they are relating to each other and to food for both of them is coming out of this traumatic experience that they've had with this person who they couldn't get to eat enough um and uh, and so I found that to be a, a really interesting, her character transformed for me, and I felt like I understood her better having that that motivation. But yeah, I do think, I mean, all the characters seem a little bit lost in terms of the connection between what they're trying to do and what the outcomes are. You know, the other one that really stands out for me is Charlie, who. Is doing all this stuff and behaving in a certain way because he's fixated on this one goal of I'm gonna give this money to my daughter, yeah. and it's it's just like what is a hundred thousand or hundred fifty thousand dollars gonna do for this young girl when so many I mean it's better than nothing I guess, but like so much of what she needs is not money. She needs yeah, like yeah. all the things that she hasn't had in her life. And the the money isn't just going to magically sort of, like, repair her psyche and undo mm-hmm. trauma <laughs> and, like, turn her, in, you know, into a functional adult. There was a lot of that, yeah. like, grasping for some action that is going to set things right, but then not being able to really help. I don't know. Yeah.
1: It, it makes people a little bit selfish, maybe. Like, in Liz, her case, I think she mostly... You know, she wants to send Thomas away in part because she believes it won't do any good to Charlie, which is also ends up right. being true sort of towards the end, but also because yeah. she's still struggling with her own feelings with regards to that church and yeah the whole those all those arguments that they make which she saw pan out in a like a wholly different way. And also with like Charlie, like I, I've seen some people say he's almost like this i've literally seen him being called like this christ figure who's just like all benevolent and kind of always sh- showing the other cheek when he's being insulted and basically being this force for good in the movie you now you know forever optimistic and believing in having faith in humanity basically but the same at the same time i felt i was also a kind of a a kind of self-centered aspect to him like He is now, he knows he's dying. And so he wants to fix his relationship with his daughter. Like he wants to remind her that she's an amazing person and he wants to make sure she's all right. But at the same time, he doesn't really take into account that his daughter might not be in that same space yet, that it might take her years for her to come to terms with what he did to her basically by walking out. Like she's not given the chance to process that trauma in a way that she wants to. It's not happening on her terms. It has to happen on his terms because now he's the one who's dying. And so he feels that urgency even though she might not feel the same way. And so I felt like there was a bit of a conflict there between what the thematic struggle was for the daughter. Like I felt like she was still harboring a lot of anger towards Charlie. Whereas from Charlie's perspective, it felt more like, oh, she's this closed off, like mean person and she just needs to value herself again or remind herself that she was this amazing person, which he bases off this essay that we haven't even mentioned yet. I think the whole Moby Dick uh <laughs> Yes, yes. <yeah, this, laughs> which this is a core core essay. <laughs> <laughs> this core <laughs> metaphor in the movie or yeah. almost allegory. But uh you know, Charlie has this very beautiful essay that he keeps reciting throughout the movie. And at the end it's revealed that it's written by uh ellie and so that's kind of his reminder that there is within her this beautiful person who has is very perceptive and it was a great writer and who has a great voice and she just needs to be reminded of that but i felt like that was not the main struggle that ellie was going through at that moment or not in the way right. that we presented it because to me it felt like that whole thing that she was going through at least that the surface level stuff was just the kind of being a teenager stuff. Like no one at, at at that age cares about reading Moby Dick and writing the best essay about, it. you know, that's right. Like like to me, that part of her development would have played out on its own, like if it if, if she had just been given the time. But uh, you know, and that that's why I felt like Charlie was even somewhat invasive in her development by wanting to have that happen now because, you know, he happens to be the one who is dying, to say it <laughs> rather crudely, but and so, you know, I, I'm, I'm not sure. Like, I'm not entirely, like, critical of it because I do feel like the, the very final moment where he does, he has her read, reading the essay and then he's apologizing, like, and explaining to her, like, I was in love, I, I shouldn't have left you. That, to me, that's that's the part of the movie that did genuinely move me for a minute there. Even though that I felt like the actual ending with, with the ascension... Kind of took it away again because it it just I wish it happened or it, I wish it ended on a more natural note, but yeah. So overall, that there's a, a lot a lot of conflict <laughs> for me when with regards to yeah. what what the actual conflict was about and the way it kind of there was some tension between the different characters and what they were going through. But to bring it back to my original point, it does kind of play into the way people who are traumatized also can become like concerned with themselves in a way that, that does, doesn't always have the best outcomes, even if they have the the right intentions to fix it or to do something about it. And that's part of the tragedy of it, I think. But it's, yeah, it's just very complicated. And that, I I guess I do appreciate that about this movie, that it, it did leave space for those complications to exist,
0: I guess. Right. I think... For me, Charlie felt like a very conflicted character, and almost as if there. Were, I felt almost as if there was a kind of projection there. Uh, and what I mean is, he seems to be centering everything on this almost ethic of honesty. What he's valuing above all else is honesty. And that's why the essay is good, because she was being honest. But he's trying to get his students to just write honestly. What makes a good essay is just being able to say what, what you mean honestly. He's trying to drag out of Thomas sort of what Thomas actually thinks of him. There's all these different suggestions about honesty. and But the core struggle that he's dealing with is sort of an inability to be honest, an inability to say what he says at the end to Ellie, an inability to turn on his camera and just kind of reveal what he is. And this maybe even ties to the struggle that Alan would have been going through if it's more of this is implied rather than explicit. But if you're a gay person in a evangelical conservative environment, you know, there's often a struggle with like being able to be open about that. And then the backlash and fallout from that, which is kind of what's described with Alan's story. And so that's connected in some way as well. And so the thing at the end is he almost transcends by being able to be honest and he's trying to push Ellie. He, he, well, not push Ellie towards honesty, although to some extent, but also affirming that in her and seeing her as the reason she is so beautiful and wonderful in his eyes, it seemed like to me is because she embodies like everything that he feels kind of incapable of doing which is just like being honest. Mm-hmm. So the movie laid all of that out but then I I end up feeling very conflicted watching that play out because I mean maybe this is ironic. I just made a video about the Banshees of Inisherin arguing like it's about repressed pain and you mm-hmm. know a big sol- we don't talk about our pain and we're not honest about these things and that would help a lot if we just did that. <laughs> it's weird to me when that becomes not a means to an end. Honesty is sort of a means to an end of healing, but sort of like the end in and of itself, which if we just honestly acknowledge what's happening, then I don't I don't know. it, it just like I felt very strange about that even though even though acceptance kind of like being truthful about pain and then accepting that is something that's very important to me as a concept. It felt mm. like it almost, doesn't present the whole picture here or like to become fixated on honesty in that way it left me with mixed feelings
1: it clearly doesn't solve anything because when Thomas has his honest moment where he instead of like pretending that he wants to help Charlie he he does reveal that he has feelings of disgust towards him not just because of his physical appearance but also because of his sexual orientation and all the things that just don't align with his own beliefs. And so I feel like, yeah, that's honesty kind of brings that out of in the, to, into the open. But, you know, then what? There's, there's not really much that seems to happen after that, except for that maybe that's, that it's presented as this. You know, maybe this is the first step we need to take, and then we'll see where the rest goes. But, um, yeah, I, I agree with you that I felt similarly, Conflicted about the ending and about what it resolves precisely and what the
0: main takeaway is. Yeah, I'm I'm not sure. Again, if I'm being honest about my feelings, (laughs) I felt confused or I felt like unsure (laughs) of what to make of it.
1: I do get the final image where maybe Darren Aronofsky was going for this juxtaposition where throughout the movie he had all this weight that was like weighing him down. And his body is very much downward downward. Organized, right. say it rather weirdly, and then have that juxtaposed with the end
0: where he's lifted up. And so yeah. that's a kind of a movement from going down to going up. You finally move into a space where there's light and sunshine and yeah. we can see Yeah. I think I guess the question I, I have in my mind is like, is honesty enough to actually is just honesty enough to actually move us move you towards that kind of almost like the way it's depicted is as if it's transcendent. And I'm like, I don't know if honesty on its own is transcendent. You know, I guess that's that's part yeah. of what... And I don't know if that's what the movie is trying to say, but that's what I felt towards mm. the end. And I'm just like, I guess I don't know if I think that's true. Yeah.
1: I think also thinking of Aronofsky's other films, like he deals a lot with obsessive characters and obsessions right. and... I feel like maybe in in that light, like you can see that the movie is more about breaking free from your own obsessive struggles, like whatever, whether it's a belief that you have or a some other issue that you might de- be dealing with. But like maybe like at least honesty that serves in kind of helping you face that obsession and maybe freeing you of it. But that would kind of, Reduced it to more of an individual struggle instead of a more social one or a, like a broader take on how we're supposed to interact with each other or what the best way is to resolve uh, interpersonal conflicts. But it just didn't feel like it had a strong thematic stance towards the end. And it doesn't have to have that, you know, I think for me, the thing that stuck most with me is just the way the journey was portrayed and the way that... Especially Charlie's struggle with food and his trauma was conveyed to the audience in a way that felt uh, empathetic to me, but also not victimizing him completely or just making him feel like this sad, pitiful creature that we have to feel sorry for. But he, you know, he's shown that he does have complexities and layers, and even, you know, he's not infallible, he has flaws. And I think that in itself was the thing that was probably my main takeaway that that's just this the way it humanized charlie in a way that gave us insight into how different people that we might tend to dismiss for whatever reason in this case their physical appearance for being a certain way because of their own fault basically and and really kind of revealing the layers behind that to, to see like the deeper emotional struggles that can be broken down to a point that they become relatable to everyone and that we can connect with them through that way.
0: The movie made me very sad, but not necessarily at the beats that I think were supposed to be sad. More so, I just felt sad because of the world that it depicted. Everyone in the film that we see is kind of lost in their own trauma- or is struggling to try to make sense of things or help, but can't. They don't have a lot of agency. No one seems to really be able to make things much better. Charlie's really doing his best, but like everyone he's surrounded by, even like the pizza guy, I was like, oh, the pizza guy, he's such a nice guy. He really cares about this random guy. And then that turned into a moment where it was like, oh, even the pizza guy's corrupted by, you know, disgust or whatever. And I guess you were talking about some Some people feel like Charlie might be the beacon of he's the optimistic one, but then even Charlie is, I don't know, I just felt like so sad for all these characters and it made me feel like this has not been my experience of life in life I've gotten to experience what feels like people around me that are able to make things better or, you know, and it was just like I felt if people are watching this movie and deeply relating to the situation that these characters are in, I am so saddened by that. And I know that that's a reality for a lot of people. And I wish that it wasn't that way. It's such a bleak uh, scenario. Hmm. And eking what like light and meaning you can find out of that kind of scenario is incredibly difficult. And I think the movie depicts that or like an attempt towards that. So I think that's, that's what it's best at. But I don't know, I guess I just felt like deeply empathetic on some level. And it made me want to like, be able to call the -hmm. people who watch this movie, who are like, I see myself in this, in this world, in this scenario, and be like, you know, it's not like that there is, you know, but maybe it is subjectively for some people, it is like that it is, it can be that bleak and and mm-hmm. hopeless but like it's possible for it for the world to not be that way but it's impossible to like go in and find all those people and communicate that to them yeah. so and 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 a, and a random person just telling you like there is hope there are nice people out there or like whatever is not the same as actually having yeah you know that in your life i should caveat that by saying it's not to say like Liz isn't doing some nice things or Charlie, you know, it's like there are moments of there are t- these tiny moments of like love within all the disaster. And there's in, this insinuation of like love in the past that has been lost. And that's part of why everything is so painful in the present in which we're experiencing the film. Yeah, man, I guess that just depressed me and it it made me feel sad.
1: I think the absence of love in this or the bleakness as you describe it also demonstrates to some extent how powerful a small gesture can be for some people because I I definitely believe there's there are people who for whatever reason live in this scenario they subjectively at least they might be struggling or feeling alone or isolated and depressed or struggling emotionally dealing with or in this case especially people with obesity or who struggle with eating disorders or Whatever, and yeah, I just like the the pizza guy example. Like, if you see the kind the negative effect that had on Charlie by just having that relation, even you know that that insignificant relation be broken in that way, even though at first like it felt like this a kind of positive, like there was like a small just a little bit of hope in Charlie's life, and so that does show that like those little bits of kindness do make a difference, and. Yeah, I guess the movie is sad because it shows that by way of omission, basically. But it does feel like the kind of movie that makes yeah, you yeah. want to, in some weird way, makes you feel more humanistic and makes you want to say hi. Or even, like, ask some random person who might seem like the struggling, like, hey, you know, are you okay? Or uh, just, yeah. just do that small little gesture and, you know, because you never know how what it might do to them, or how it might help someone's day, or uh, make someone's life a little bit better.
0: Thank you for listening. If you enjoyed this episode, you can listen to next week's episode on Nebula. When you listen on Nebula, you also get access to our monthly bonus episode. We've recently talked about Babylon on there, and Avatar 2, and there's a bunch of others, like 1917, Drive. We're constantly adding to that collection. You can sign up for Nebula using the link that's in the show notes. And you can also find a link there to our Patreon, which gives you access to our community Discord server. Thank you so much for listening and supporting the show. And we'll talk to you next week.